Chapter Thirty One of Kate Bonnet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Meg Turasek. Kate Bonnet by Frank R. Stockton. Chapter Thirty One. Mister Delaplaine leads a boarding party. Steadily southward sailed the brig Black Swan, which bore upon its decks the happy Mander family, and our poor friend Dickory, carrying with him his lifelong destiny in the shape of the blood-stained letter from Captain Vince. The sackcloth draperies of Lucilla, with the red cord lightly tied about them, had given place to a very ordinary gown fashioned by her mother and herself which added so few charms to her young face and sparkling eyes that dickory often thought that he wished there were some bushes on deck so that she might stand behind them and let him see only her face as he had seen it when first he met her but he saw the pretty face a great deal for lucilla was very anxious to know things and asked many questions about barbados and also asked if there was any probability that the brig would go straight on to that lovely island without bothering to stop at Jamaica. It was during such talks as this that Dickory forgot, when he did forget, the blood-stained letter that he carried with him always. Our young friend still wore the naval uniform, although in coming on the brig he had changed it for some rough sailor's clothes but Lucilla had besought him to be again a brave lieutenant. They sailed and they sailed, and there was but little wind, and that from the south and against them. But Lucilla did not complain at their slow progress. The slowest vessel in the world was preferable just now to a desert island which never moved. David's was at the wheel, and Mander stood near him. These old friends had not yet finished talking about what had happened in the days since they had seen each other. Mrs. Mander sat not far away, still making clothes, and the little Lena was helping her in her childlike way. Lucilla and Dickory were still talking about Barbados. There never was a girl who wanted to know so much about an island as that girl wanted to know about Barbados. Suddenly there was a shout from above. "'What's that?' asked Mander. "'A sail,' said Davids, peering out over the sea, but able to see nothing. Lucilla and Dickory did not cease talking. At that moment Lucilla did not care greatly about sails. There was so much to be said about Barbados. There was a good deal of talking forward and after a while the captain walked to the quarter-deck. He was a gruff man, and his face was troubled. "'I am sorry to say,' he growled, "'that the ship we have sighted is a pirate. She flies the black flag.' Now there was no more talk about Barbados, or what had happened to old friends, and the sewing dropped on the deck. Those poor manders were chilled to the soul." Were they again to be taken by pirates? Captain, cried Mander, what can we do? Can we run away from them? 
"'We could not run away from their guns,' growled the captain. "'And there is nothing to do. "'They intend to take this brig, "'and that's the reason they have run up their skull and bones. "'They are bearing directly down upon us with a fair wind. "'They will be firing a gun presently, "'and then I shall lay to and wait for them.' "'Mander stepped towards Dickory and Lucilla.' His voice was husky as he said, "'We cannot expect, my dear, that we shall again be captured by forbearing pirates. I shall kill my wife and little daughter rather than they shall fall into the bloody hands of ordinary pirates. And to you, sir, I will commit the care of my Lucilla. If this vessel is delivered over to a horde of savages, I pray you, plunge your dirk into her heart.' "'Yes,' said Lucilla, clinging to the arm of Dickory. "'If those fierce pirates shall attack us, we will die together.' Dickory shook his head. In an awful moment such as this he could hold out no illusions. "'No,' said he, "'I cannot die with you. I have a duty before me, and until it is accomplished I cannot willingly give up my life.' I must rather be even a pirate's slave than that. But I will accept your father's charge. Should there be need, I will kill you. Thank you very much, said Lucilla coolly. To the surprise of the people on the Black Swan, there came no shot from the approaching pirate. But as she still bore down upon them, running before the wind, the captain of the brig lay to and lowered his flag. Submission now was all there was before them. No man on the brig took up arms, nor did the crew form themselves into any show of resistance. That would have but made matters worse. As the pirate vessel came on, nearer and nearer, a great number of men could be seen stretched along her deck, and some brass cannon were visible trained upon the unfortunate brig. But, to the surprise of the captain of the Black Swan, and of nearly everybody on board of her, the pirate did not run down upon her to make fast and board. Instead of that, she put about into the wind, and lay to less than a quarter of a mile away. Then two boats were lowered and filled with men, who rowed towards the brig. "'They have special reasons for our capture,' said the captain to those who were crowding about him. He may well be laden now with plunder, and comes to us for our gold and silver, or it may be that he merely wants the brig. If that be so, he can quickly rid himself of us. That was a cruel speech when women had to hear it, but the captain was a rough fellow. The boats came on as quietly as if they were about to land at a neighboring pier. Dickory and Lucilla cautiously peeped over the rail, Dickory without his hat, and Lucilla hiding herself, all but a part of her face, behind him. The manders crouched together on the deck, the father with glaring eyes and a knife in his hand. The crew stood, with their hats removed and their chins lowered, waiting for what might happen next. Up to this time Dickory had shown no signs of fear, 
although his mind was terribly tossed and disturbed. For whatever might happen to him, it possibly would be the end of that mission, which was now the only object of his life. But he grated his teeth together and awaited his fate. But now, as the boats came nearer, he began to tremble, and gradually his knees shook under him. I would not have believed that he was such a coward as that, thought Lucilla. The boats neared the ship and were soon made fast. Every help was offered by the crew of the brig, and not a sign of resistance was shown. The leader of the pirates mounted to the deck, followed by the greater part of his men. For a moment Captain Ichabod glanced about him, and then, addressing the captain of the brig, he said, "'This is all very well. I am glad to see that you have sense enough to take things as you find them, and not to stir up a fracas and make trouble. I overhauled you that I might lay in a stock of provisions, and some wine and spirits besides, having no desire, if you treat us rightly, to despoil you further. So, we shall have no more words about it, bedad, and if you will set your men to work to get on deck such stores as my quartermaster here may demand of you, we shall get through this business quickly. In the meantime, lower two or three boats, so that your men can row the goods over to my vessel. The captain of the Black Swan simply bowed his head and turned away to obey orders, while Captain Ichabod stepped a little aft and began to survey the captured vessel. As soon as his back was turned, the captain of the brig was approached by a very respectable elderly gentleman, apparently not engaged either in the mercantile marine or in piratical pursuits, who stopped him and said, "'Sir, my name is Felix Delaplaine, merchant of Spanish town Jamaica. I am, against my will, engaged in this piratical attack upon your vessel.' but I wish to assure you privately that I will not consent to have you robbed of your property, and that, although some of your provisions may be taken by these pirates, I here promise, as an honorable gentleman, to pay you the full value of all that they seize upon. The captain of the Black Swan had no opportunity to make an answer to this most extraordinary statement for at that moment a naval officer, shouting at the top of his voice, came rushing towards the respectable gentleman who had just been making such honorable proposals. Almost at the same moment there was a great shout from Captain Ichabod, who, drawing his cutlass from its sheath, raised the glittering blade and dashed in pursuit of the naval gentleman. "'Hold there! Hold there!' cried the pirate. Don't you touch him. Don't you lay your hand upon him. But Ichabod was not quick enough. Dickory, swift as a stag, stretched out both his arms and threw them around the neck of the amazed Mr. Delaplaine. Now the pirate Ichabod reached the two. His great sword went high in the air and was about to descend upon the naval person, whoever he was 
who had made such an unprovoked attack upon his honoured passenger, when his arm was caught by some one from behind. Turning, with a great curse, his eyes fell upon the face of a young girl. "'Oh, don't kill him! Don't kill him!' she cried. "'He will hurt nobody. He is only hugging the old gentleman.' Captain Ichabod looked from the girl to the two men, who were actually embracing each other. Dickory's back was towards him, but the face of Mr. Delaplaine fairly glowed with delight. "'Oh, ho!' said Ichabod, turning to Lucilla. "'And what does this mean, Bedad?' "'I don't know,' she answered, "'but the gentleman in the uniform is a good man. Perhaps the other one is his father.' "'To my eyes,' said Captain Ichabod, "'this is a most fearsome mix.' The Mander family, and nearly everybody else on board, crowded about the little group, gazing with all their eyes, but asking no questions. "'Captain Ichabod!' exclaimed Mr. Delaplaine, holding Dickory by the hand. "'This is one of the two persons you were taking us to find. This is Dickory Charter, the son of good Dame Charter, now on your vessel. He went away with Blackbeard, and we were in search of him. Oh, ho! cried Captain Ichabod. By my life I believe it. That's the young fellow that Blackbeard dressed up in a cocked hat and took away with him. I am the same person, sir, said Dickory. "'So far so good,' said Captain Ichabod. "'I am very glad that I did not bring down my cutlass on you, "'which I should have done, bedad, had it not been for this young woman.' "'Now up spoke Mr. Delaplaine. "'We have found you, Dickory,' he cried. "'But what can you tell us of Major Bonnet?' "'Ay, ay,' said Captain Ichabod. "'There's another one we're after.' "'Where's the runaway, Sir Nightcap?' "'Alas,' said Dickory, "'I do not know. "'I escaped from Blackbeard, "'and since that day have heard nothing. "'I had supposed the Captain Bonnet "'was in your company, Mr. Delaplaine.' "'Now the Captain of the Black Swan "'pushed himself forward. "'Is it Captain Bonnet, "'lately of the pirate ship Revenge, "'that you're talking about?' he asked. If so, I may tell you something of him. I am lately from Charlestown, and the talk there was that Blackbeard was lying outside the harbour in Steed Bonnet's old vessel, and that Bonnet had lately joined him. I did not venture out of port until I had certain news that these pirates had sailed northward. They had two or three ships, and the talk was that they were bound to the Virginias, and perhaps still farther north. They were fitted out for a long cruise. "'Gone again!' exclaimed Mr. Delaplaine in a hoarse voice. "'Gone again!' Captain Ichabod's face grew clouded. "'Gone north of Charlestown!' he exclaimed. "'That's bad, Bedad. That's very bad.' "'You are sure he did not sail southward?' he asked of the captain of the brig. 
that gruff mariner was in a strange state of mind. He had just been captured by a pirate, and in the next moment had made what might be a very profitable sale to a respectable merchant of the goods the pirate was about to take from him. Moreover, the said pirate seemed to be in the employ of said merchant, and, altogether, things seemed to him to be in as fearsome a mix as they had seemed to Captain Ichabod. But he brought his mind down to the question he had been asked. "'No doubt about that,' said he. "'There were some of his men in the town, "'for they are afraid of nobody, "'and they were not backward in talking. "'That upsets things badly,' said Captain Ichabod, "'without unclouding his brow. "'With my slow vessel and my empty purse, Bedad, "'I don't see how I am ever going to take Blackbeard "'if he has gone north.' Finding Blackbeard would have been a handful of trumps to me. But the game seems to be up, bedad. The captain of the brig and Ichabod's quartermaster went away to attend to the transfer of the needed goods to the restless. Mander and his wife and little daughter were standing together gazing with amazement at the strange pirates who had come aboard, while Lucilla stepped up to Dickory who stood silent, with his eyes on the deck. "'Can you tell me what this means?' said she. For a moment he did not answer, and then he said, "'I don't know everything myself, but I must presently go on board that vessel.' "'What?' exclaimed Lucilla, stepping back. "'Is she there?' "'Yes,' said Dickory. End of chapter 31 Recording by Meg Turosek